Are you hungry for more? You know what life has to offer. You sense it is radiating magic, but perhaps you feel like you're just not fully nourished by all there is to embody. Well, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Here and now. Just what the doctor ordered. Welcome to the conversation, Well and Why, where we feast on fuel for the soul. These topics are designed to ignite that fire and maximize our human potential. Together, we can heal the system. Alone, we can heal our bloodline. Bon appetit! Welcome back to Well and Why, a spiritually nutritious production where we talk all things lifestyle design, the growth mindset, and it's inspired by wellness. I am your host, Allie, and this week's episode is with Kimberly from the Handel Group, and we go into such depth to talk all things boundaries, getting really honest with yourself about where you're at and where you want to be, finding yourself in a totally different place than you had envisioned, and starting over how owning up to our mistakes and fuck-ups can actually empower us moving forward, and what I really took away from Kimberly was just how much a certain dynamic between two people in a familial situation, or any situation most likely, has a massive role in the grand scheme of the greater happiness for all parties involved, and that making peace earlier rather than later will drastically enhance the lives of anybody remotely affected by the dynamic itself. You will be inspired by the raw honesty Kimberly shares with us in this conversation. 30-day money-back guarantee. (laughs) Speaking of money, um, the Handel Group is offering half off during this pandemic to help yourselves better your lives. So use code WELLANDY75 for half off. Half off, guys, during this pandemic to better our lives, learn how to have the difficult conversations, create our dreams, and live life in a way that's going to set ourselves up for success. There's nothing that sounds better than that to me. I don't know. Speaking of setting ourselves up for success, I have fully moved out of Brooklyn, still in the process of waiting for somebody to fill that space, but you know, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. It is happening, it's coming. But I, as of this conversation, I am no longer with my mom living at her place temporarily. And I am in my own place by the beach in New Jersey, where I've always dreamt of being eventually. Just COVID accelerated my plans. That's all. Thank you, COVID, I suppose. All right. And I hope you enjoy. Kimberly. You were an organic farmer who planted vineyards and started a winery turned executive life coach at the Handel Group. I am so in awe by that kind of transformation you've made for yourself in life, and I am honored to have you. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear this story because it's fascinating. What a change. How did you get started in the winery field originally? Um, I, when I went to college, I took a class on sustainable agriculture and I fell in love with it. I really learned a lot about how unsustainable our food industry was and I wanted to be part of the change. I had always from a young age been like, I'm going to save the earth. That was like my mission from childhood. So I was looking for ways to do that. 
and food seemed like a really important system to be a part of the change. So I, when I graduated, I moved out onto an organic farm and started farming and growing produce and selling it at the farmer's market. I then met my husband through that. He was an organic farmer, moved in with him, and we ran our own organic farm for six years, driving two hours to town three days a week to do the farmer's market. It was really a lot of work. It was really hard, Um, like physically demanding job. And then after a while, I thought, maybe this isn't sustainable because we're driving produce in three days a week. It's a lot of driving. I'm driving through this beautiful, natural place I live, but I'm in a car and I'm running myself ragged. So I thought, maybe we really need a value-added product. So we planted a vineyard and we thought we would just sell the grapes to a local winery and this would be a legal cash crop because we live in Humboldt County. So marijuana was like the illegal cash crop and we really wanted to be able to live above board and not in fear. And so we thought, all right, we'll plant vineyards, we'll sell them. We were so naive. We planted the vineyards on leased property where we were farming. And it took so much to get them to harvest where we we lived like in the middle of the wilderness. So we had to put in a bear fence. Like we're like probably the only vineyard in California that had to have an electric fence for bears. And um, then you put in all the trellising and it's expensive. Like all of that adds up and we're doing it on somebody else's property. And then it took three years before we got a harvest. So we're just pouring our blood, sweat and tears into the grapes. And then we sold our first harvest and the guy just threw the grapes into all that he already had. And we were a little heartbroken because we really wanted to taste what our grapes would produce. And so the next year we were like, you know what, forget it. We're not selling them. We're going to make our own wine. And we just did it in a friend's garage and we just kind of did it for fun. And we put, we sent the wine in to the Humboldt County Fair and we got the gold medal and we were like, okay, like this is possible. It's not awful. And um, so we thought maybe we should go all the way with it and like make it a whole, make it legal because from the garage, you can't sell it. So then we decided to go all the way and I wrote a business plan and incorporated and sold stock to get money to be able to buy property that would be ours, build a winery, like go the whole way with it. And again, it was like incredibly naive because the amount of input that it takes to not only plant the vineyards, but then to harvest and then to make the wine and then to buy the bottles and put it in the bottle and then buy the labels and buy the corks. And oh my gosh, it was, and then it has to just sit there and wait to be ready. So it's so many years down the road before you have a product to sell. So um, we continued to do organic farming to be able to pay to live. And um, it was really hard on our relationship. We also had two little kids in that time. So we were not putting a lot of time into our marriage. And it was like it died on the vine. 
like quite literally. And so I ended up telling the truth because what I had to do in order to get like the winery to a legal income, it, I had to do like full-time paperwork. I had to do all the compliance, all the bookkeeping, all of that was never my dream. My dream was like the earth. And now I'm really not doing any of that. And, um, so I spoke up and told the truth and, my ex-husband wasn't willing to give up the dream. Like he really was committed to the winery over everything. And so I had to decide for myself what was my truth. And so I left and I needed to start over. And the skill I had at this point was admin. So I became like the financial manager for a solar company and, um, And I started teaching yoga. I did a yoga teacher training and loved that. That felt connected to my truth. And what I noticed, what I really loved the most about it was in the beginning, asking people like how they were doing and setting the theme and then talking to them after about how, where things landed for them. I like that more than the left foot forward, right foot back. And so I wanted more of that. And I, and so I started thinking, I wonder if I could be a therapist or a coach or so I looked at what it would be to become a therapist and I didn't love the classes you had to take none of it felt totally in alignment with who I was and I thought man I spent so many years of my life in school taking classes that weren't in alignment I am not doing that anymore then I looked at what it would be to become a coach with the Handel group uh, because the handout group had come to me twice and once from my yoga teacher, she was doing coaching with the handout group. And then um, Elena Brower, who is a yoga teacher, was doing the same kind of yoga that I was with Anya Sara. And so I read about her and she mentioned the handout group. And that she was doing handout group coaching. So I was like, hmm, maybe I should check them out. So I checked them out and um, reached out and looked at all the assignments I would have to do in order to graduate. And it all was stuff I wanted to do in my life. I wanted to do that for myself, irregardless if I became a coach or not. I wanted to do that work. And so I signed up. But at the time, I also it, it was kind of beyond my means. So I became the director of operations in the corporate division. So I um, was the admin there. So this skill that like I never really wanted, that I never really went after, supported me really well through the stages in my life to get other dreams to come true. So during my training, I was working as a director of ops. And so I got to know everything about the corporate division, which from the outset, when they asked me, did you want to be a corporate coach or a life coach? It's like, definitely life. I am so not interested in the corporate world. I am like into the earth and yoga. But it turns out it's humans, no matter where you put them. And and I could feel like the bigger impact some of the coaches were having in companies on a larger group of people rather than just the one-on-one. So I did become interested in being an executive coach. 
And so I finally graduated. And part of the process in the transformation was healing my relationship with my ex-husband. And that was um, really messy because, oh, when I left, I had met a, um, a guy through the wine world. So as we had all these customers online, I went to go meet a group of them in New York when I was married. And I met a guy there. And he was willing to help me afford to leave my marriage because I had no money at that point. And so he paid for everything for me to leave. Messy. I know. (laughs) That was really out of integrity of me and very painful for my ex-husband. Because here's a millionaire from New York City, like basically helicoptering me out of my life and placing me elsewhere. So that was really painful, very messy, out of integrity and... And, and so I was in a bad way with my ex-husband. Like I put up a wall. I didn't want to talk to him. He would pick up the kids. I didn't allow him to come to the door. Um, and it was pretty ugly. And then, so part of what I needed to do in my training was clean that relationship up. Like you just can't live unresolved like that with somebody that's so important in your life. So Mm. I had to start by making a list of all the ways that I took our marriage down. And I made this list. There were eight things on the list. And I was like, okay, I reached out to him. Can I read this list to you and apologize? And he was like, I've been waiting for this all my life. And I was like, Oh God, I've been waiting all my life. Like, when am I going to get my list? But okay, okay, this is my assignment. I need to do it. Go forward. So I started and I said, okay, um, first on the list is I'm really sorry for the way that I talked down to you because I would talk down to you in front of people. And I know that that was painful. And he was like, yeah, that was really hard. And it felt really bad. And I think ultimately it made you look worse than it made me look. And I'm also really sorry that I came home late every single day and you can never count on me. And we went back and forth like that for two hours. We went through my list and he gave me his list. And when I got to the end, I said, "Um, is there anything that I missed? Is there anything else I need to own? And he said, no, that's it. I just see us being great parents and uh, friends going forward. And that's what I had written in my dream for our relationship. And he like repeated it back to me. And I was afraid to have this conversation because my boyfriend at the time, the millionaire from New York City, had said, um, do not have this conversation. Do not apologize and own. You are giving up all your power. And I understand that thought because it is very vulnerable and um, it's admitting. So like somebody could pounce on that. Sure. But I was doing it for my integrity. I was doing it because I knew it would help free me up and really get my learning so that I didn't repeat those things. Like if I'm going to say it out loud and apologize and own it, I'm going to be less likely to go do that again. And um, 
So what I realized at the end was it was actually empowering. It wasn't disempowering. Like I had the power to steer that sinking ship toward the light. You know, it was like going toward an iceberg and I was the iceberg. (laughs) I I like total ice queen. I, but I like steered it toward the light and that's freaking powerful. That's not giving up your power. That's like being in your power. And ever since then, my ex-husband and I are really close friends. He talks to me about his relationships. I confide in him. And it's still like any relationship. It requires work. It still requires me owning where I judge him or where I like try to coach him and I have to apologize. And it's really hard. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been amazing that gave me a lot of hope that like, man, if I could do that, what else can I do? What other relationships can I turn around? So I, you know, done a lot of work with my mom and my sister and my dad and my kids and, um, and money. Money was a relationship that was really messy. As you can tell, I had no money. And then I took money from somebody And that already you could see in that my relationship to money was out of integrity. And so when that relationship with the millionaire ended, because it wasn't love, it was need and me being the cold user. And I apologized and tried to clean that up. But some things you don't get to fully clean up and get a bow on and put it on the shelf with your learning bows. It just... That one was one that didn't really totally get to make it right. He ended up suing me. Wow. For over $90,000. So in a way, I did clean it up and that I totally dealt with all of that and paid him back and settled. And so I got myself back in integrity with money with him. So I was able to clean that up. But it never got to the place of like forgiving each other and walking off into the sunset hand in hand. But um, sometimes, you know, that's also part of life and learning for me is you don't always get to, you don't always get forgiven. Right. You know, and you can only control the one side. Exactly. So that was powerful for me to learn. And when I left that situation, I was $30,000 in debt uh, on my credit card. So I um, had to get a lot of structure in place to support me cleaning up my relationship with money. Wow. Like creating a budget for the first time in my life that I was so sure was going to take all the fun away. Like for me, budget meant fun is done. Yeah. You know, it's over for you. You're living within these bounds and you have no freedom. So that's how I saw budget. So of course I avoided it. And like, as if debt is fun, <laughs> as if like having the freedom to ha- bounce checks is fun. Right. True. Touche. <laughs> like, yeah, like that's not really that fun. <laughs> Spending your life cleaning up your messes. So I then, you know, I have still, I have the same promise where I update my budget every Sunday and I you know, for a long time, my promise was that like, I couldn't spend money on anything but food. And that had to be food from a grocery store, not from a restaurant. 
until I paid off that $30,000. And I am happily out of debt now and have a nice savings and a retirement and, you know, a line item for fun. How long did that take you to pay it off? It took me four years. Wow. I know it was like dedicated, but what it's done is like, really, I notice now when I'm spending money, it's not just off the cuff, you know, um, lighthearted. Like I really notice like, oh, I'm buying coffee out. Like this is a splurge. And I like that relationship with money. I like really noticing where I'm spending. So I like, I have a healthy respect for money. And, um, yeah, it, yeah, it feels good. I, so yeah, I look at my bank account daily Wow. because what you put your attention to grows. I love that. And then I update my, yeah. And like, it doesn't mean that I have no fun. I have a light item for fun. I'm designing fun in. So like, it's real fun instead of like debt fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that has been one of, uh, another relationship that's been really incredible to be able to evolve and. And then each one of these like messes in my life that I cleaned up ends up becoming a tool in the toolbox that I'm able to use and help others with. That's amazing. I loved all of that from the fact that, so basically the pivotal moment for you was when you were teaching yoga and you realized you liked the beginning and the end of class and talking to people about their transformation or even just how they feel. And that's awesome. And then I love that because you were also very admin heavy. And I found that in my life as well. And it's like, how did I get myself here? Right. Like, I just want to be more creative or do more and be less admin. And the fact that these have all helped you even just in your personal life, let alone teaching others these things. Yeah, exactly. So did you get through everything that you were talking about I feel like I we went on a couple tangents oh I took us on some long um <laughs> side trips no, that was perfect those were awesome I just wanted to make sure that we wrung you dry on that story yeah I think so. <laughs> amazing well first of all thank you so much for sharing it's it's it wasn't only vulnerable in the moment but it really takes a lot to continue telling that and sharing that with the rest of us now and and yeah you know owning that you weren't perfect and what you've gone through to become who you are today. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, totally. And it's never ending in that not perfect learning every day because I, you know, I have a promise to share a vulnerable story once a week with my mom and with both of my kids. And, um, the reason I did that is because I really can disconnect and like, want to manage how I look and come across as, you know, what I think you want me to be. Right. And people pleaser, approval hound. And um, so I like I'm forcing myself to be unveiled and to be real. So I have that promise with my mom is where I started and the amazing thing to me that I didn't anticipate was what she shares back. And then it turned out to be the same thing with my kids. Like if I'm telling my mom about, you know, my relationship and where I'm not happy with it, she then shares with me about her relationship and where she's not happy. 
And I didn't expect that. Like I thought, okay, I'm going to do this because it's going to help me be more vulnerable and more open. I didn't realize what would be shared back. But I've learned that like I'm creating a safe space by doing that. Like we're not managing to look perfect here. Nobody has to try to be perfect for me. I'm a flawed human. Here it is. Like my dark and my light up front. Mm. And then I get that back from people. And it's so incredibly connecting and freeing at the same time. Yeah. Like, oh, you can just let your guard down and be you. Yeah. And and realize that we're all going through similar, a little different, but similar things. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how common the human experience really is with all our own variations. Right. It's still, there's a commonality we can all relate to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that feels good. Yeah, it does. It's like, ah, oh, I'm not alone, but we wouldn't know if we didn't share. Definitely. That's a weird, and that's a cool analogy to how weird it feels right now yes. in that during this pandemic exactly. in that, like, we're all going through some crazy shit right now and you're not off the hook. Yep. Nobody's off the hook, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And what are you doing with that? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's blowing me away that like I talk to so many people every day all around the world and there's a total common thread to it all. But then there really is a choose your own adventure side to it also. And, and it has so much to do with your mind. Like what's your perspective on it? And, and also has to do with your circumstances like if you've lost your job, it definitely is going to have a different impact on you than the person who still has their job, for sure. Yes. So having the space for all of that to be true and yet at the same time, okay, how are we going to choose to show up right now? Whether we've lost our job or not, how are we showing up for ourselves to start with? Like are we still exercising are we still eating well and sleeping enough? You know, those things that you could throw out right away. You have like the grand excuse. Because of the pandemic, who, like I could eat whatever I want. <laughs> and that's how the first week was for me. Yeah. And then it didn't feel good. Yeah, naturally. Yeah, I was like, okay, come back. <laughs> Let's get those non-negotiables straight. Like what are the things that make you feel good? Yep. Yeah, and it's, then get it back. comes down to the basics usually. Yeah, Sleep, exactly. food, movement. And connection. Like, yes. are you reaching out and staying connected? And people are really doing that. Yeah, and allowing yourself to feel those waves of emotions, especially at the beginning more so. I think it's, you know, un weirdly enough, becoming a little more normal now. But in the be the first two to three weeks – we're, what are we on week four or something? I don't even know, no but idea. I know. <laughs> week one million. <laughs> week one. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Awesome. So in doing something you've never done before and not knowing the how, like becoming the organic farmer or life coach, or even just going from organic farmer to wine specifically, What's your best advice in taking the actionable steps necessary to achieve something new that might be out of your scope of expertise? 
Yeah. One of the best things that's worked for me is finding somebody that's already doing it and studying them. Success leaves clues. It's like that, that was Elena Brower for me. She was the yoga teacher I wanted to be. And, oh, wow, amazing. She's also a Handel Group coach. Oh, wow, amazing. She's also had an incredible relationship with her ex-husband. And, you know, like really looking at what she was doing and how she got there. Right. So she was your expander. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then for the wine from organic farming to wine, um, my ex-husband and I took the time to travel out of the area and visit wineries and he would corner the winemaker at every winery we went to and just pepper them with questions. And he started to get a lot of the same answers. He started to realize, oh, it's not that complex. It really is this age old thing of fermentation. And, um, So he, you know, for both of us, it was like, look at someone who's already doing it, that's successful at it, ask a lot of questions, study them, study what they've done. And then you can start just to dive in and try. And even if it's like as a side hustle, you know, even if it's just like, wow, I'm really interested in marketing. Like, who do I look up to in marketing? What programs do they use? Can I start to learn that program at night? You know, just to see, like, do I like this? Does it really resonate with me? Does it really make me happy? Because I really thought my end goal was yoga and being the best yoga teacher I could be. So I then became that and it was like, no, not exactly. Right. But it was an important step on the way. So it wasn't wrong. I wasn't wrong in that endeavor, you know, so allowing yourself to keep changing was really big for me to like, you know, like I, cause I could get a story about it being a failure that I was already 40 and just figuring out my career. Like I could feel really bad about that. Or I could just be stoked that I had had all these different chapters. And it's the same for me in love. Because I could, I am in the process of ending a relationship right now. And I really had some thoughts about this was the one and like it was going to be over. I was done. But then I just had to tell myself the truth. I really was settling in some ways. And that was going to mess with my space. You know, I really, it was messing with my space. So I really had to tell the truth. And there's a profound relief in doing that. And then knowing that, like, this was a really important chapter. And this is one step closer to the one. And I, and it's, it's all good. Yeah. It's a lovely, sweet human that I'm so glad I got to spend a year and a half of my life with. And we're having a beautiful uncoupling. And I know, I'm like, this is the best it's ever been. So I'm just sure the next one's going to be off the charts. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe it'll be that way with my career too. Yeah. You know, like maybe that's possible. Like, why not? Why? I mean, I could either beat myself up that like, oh my God, again, and here I am at 48 and I'm still not, you know, in my forever relationship. 
maybe that's okay, you know, that I'm just letting that be like, wow, this is one of those tools I'm still honing. Yep. And sharing everything I'm learning along the way. I'm like in the trenches with my clients instead of like already baked and like you get here. It's all. <laughs> yeah. So how does a beautiful uncoupling go? What is that like? Well, um, design, design. It's like, like in anything else, like how do we want this to go? Like what, what feels right for us? Like, okay, maybe texting once a week to check in. Like, not, I'm not okay with the daily, you mm-hmm. know, let's lessen that. Okay. Can we agree on that? Okay, great. Like we're going to take each other's feelings into account and design what works for both of us and, um, remain cheerleaders for each other from afar. Yeah. So that's the important part for me is that there is a space created because I can't have him taking up that space anymore if I want the next one coming in. Of course. So I've learned that in the past. I let it linger because it, it feels comfortable. Yep. Yeah. So I think that's really relatable for yeah. so many people. Yeah. <laughs> and like shit you're not supposed to be ending a relationship in the, during a pandemic oh my god <laughs> this is what people recommend against don't make these big decisions so I was <laughs> like okay I'm not gonna make this big decision and then this weekend I was like it's just the truth and I just have to speak the truth mm-hmm. and it's a relief good and then you know like yeah that was right so right. oh definitely well I'm happy for you Thank you. You're welcome. I'm excited to see what happens next. I know. Right? Stay tuned. <laughs> I'll be back. I'll come back in six months and fill yes. you in. <laughs> yes. To talk all about the interview love and how that's worked for you. Exactly. Because I am actually leading the next boot camp, which starts April 15th. And um, that was one of my first thoughts when I was going to end my relationship was, can I still run the interview love boot camp? <laughs> and um, the answer is yes, because I'm using it. I'm using every tool in it. I have used all the tools to design this relationship. And then when I could see like, oh, this isn't exactly right. I'm telling the truth. I'm creating the next and I'm like using it it's amazing yeah it's not easy for people to let go of something comfortable that they have but it's it sounds like it's not usually comfortable even if it's comfortable in quotes you know because exactly uncomfortable with that it's not what you want that's exactly right amazing yeah cool I love that what have you found to be the mindset shift that inspires both parties to find a common ground and successfully grow into a friendship and maybe even a thriving co-parenting scenario? I suppose the secret is probably that both individuals need to be open to it. Yeah, I think in some ways that's definitely um, a requirement. If my ex-husband wasn't open to it, it would have been really hard. But my sister kind of said, well, you're lucky because your ex-husband was open to it. But I also think I opened him to it by asking him if I could apologize. Mm. There's not a lot of people that aren't willing to receive an apology. 
Right. So it wasn't like I wanted to, you know, I didn't come at him saying, look, these are the things that went wrong. You were part of it. You know, I said, can I call you and own my part and apologize? Right. You know, so that opened the door. Right. Yeah. And it sounds like there was time in between when it all happened and when you decided to do that. Yeah, totally. That space probably helps. The space helped. And the fact that we had a business together still and had to untangle that. And I was still doing all the books and the compliance. I ended up training his girlfriend and taking my job. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's amazing. I was like modern family. (laughs) And then um, we, yeah, and we had kids together. So I think that, you know, we both had that common goal of doing right by them. Yeah. And it's like, you, you know, you can get people to have a conversation when it's like, well, for the kids, but the truth is it was for us and for them and for everybody in our life. It healed our families as well. Mm-hmm. And our friends, like they didn't have to take sides anymore. Right. So it was healing on so many levels and I didn't realize how much I needed it. Mm. And how much it's played into my next relationships when I can talk about my divorce and my ownership. I think it helps other men feel like, oh, okay, if you're willing to work on that with him, you would be willing to work on that with me. Cool. Yeah. I love that because a thought that just ran through my head was how do new men feel about the fact that you're so, so close and on great terms with your ex-husband. Yeah. Well, the right guy would want that. Right. Exactly. The wrong guy would be threatened by that. And that's a really good way to filter them out. Yes. Like if anyone's um, threatened by you having a good relationship with exes, it is their problem. I'm so happy. <laughs> I love hearing it from other people. Yeah, I'm like, oh, thanks for your self-elimination. <laughs> Literally, right? <laughs> and you get clear on what your red flags are. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't have to be a red flag for everybody, but we know like that's a red flag for us because we're committed to having those good relationships with exes. And I also, it's a red flag for me if I meet a guy and he talks about his past relationship as if he's a victim, as if she did everything wrong. I don't want to be in a relationship with someone like that. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to know your part because you had a part. Right. And if you can't own it with her, you're not going to be on it with me. And that isn't going to work. Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to steal that. Yeah. So red flags both ways. <laughs> yes, definitely. You kind of you kind of mentioned this based off of your the coming out of your current relationship, but how do we create new boundaries in a relationship that's changing, evolving, and maybe even difficult to withstand? Yeah. Um, you know, I have promises for myself about like the three grumble rule. So if I hear myself grumbling about that person three times, like if I have the same grumble, I have to communicate it. Like, look, it's really not working for me that you're calling me every night still. And or um, my last relationship that ended, he lives four doors down. And so he would just stop by. And it was like, yeah, you can't do that. 
you know, you really, and it was hurtful and it was hard. And it, and I felt bad about it. And it was like, I got to see like how wishy-washy I was with boundaries. And then when I really held it, because I put a promise in place with like a nuclear consequence, because I was so bad with it. I was like, oh, I'll have a consequence. I'll put $100 into my daughter's college fund. Well, I didn't care that much about that. I was doing it like all the time. I was totally breaking that promise and putting that money in there. So then my coach was like, oh, no, you have to send $100 to Trump. (laughs) Oh, that's nuclear. So, I mean, I knew I didn't want to do that. So um, I broke it once and had to do that. And it felt horrible. I got my son lost it on me. He was like, you cannot have a consequence that negatively impacts other people. It needs to only negatively impact you. Take the month off alcohol. Do not give $100 to Trump. I was like, you're right. He's right. He's right. And that is um, so true and hilarious. Yeah. So then after that, I was like, okay, I am never breaking this promise again. So then he stopped by and he was like, I'm in pain. I hurt myself. I need a friend. And I was like, I can't. I'm sorry. I care, but I am I can't be that person for you. And he left and I actually felt so amazing. I was like, wow. I did it. And I realized like, oh, that boundary was love Hmm. for me. I felt like, oh, this is what I deserve. This is how I can create what I want. And then I realized it wasn't just love for me. It was love for him because it's setting him up to win for me instead of me letting him step over that boundary and then resenting him for it. And I got to like push him to go create that relationship elsewhere. Because it really wasn't going to ever work to be that for him. So let me go help him and love him by being clear. And so um, I got really good at boundaries after that. I started Once I really got to see it as love, like, ah, I can really do that then. Because this is me being nice to you mm-hmm. if I'm having that boundary. Did you change your consequence? Oh, it's a month off alcohol. Okay, nice. <laughs> but I don't even need it anymore because now, you know, he's a friend. I see him in the neighborhood and I'm happy to see him. And I've created enough of that boundary that he did create that support elsewhere. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So pivoting a little bit here, okay. what is your relationship like with spirituality and religion stemming from childhood to now? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I wasn't raised with any religion. My parents both were. They both had it forced on them, and they never really felt individually connected to it. So they didn't want to do that to my sister and I. So they um, they let us choose. And when I was in elementary school, I went to a camp. And at the camp, there was religion, uh, Christianity. It was through the YMCA. And so they had Christianity there and you could earn a um, scarf if you like let the Lord in or whatever. You took a hike and you, you know, did this prayer and you let it in. And um, so I did that and it felt really good. And then I noticed everybody had this connection to each other from church. 
they had all gone to the same church. And I felt like I was on the outside of that social network. And I am like, so social, I want to belong like nothing else. So I got home from camp. And I was like, Mom, I want to go to church. She was like, Okay, you pick the one and I'll drop you off. And I was like, no, I want you to come with me. <laughs> she was like, I'm not interested in going to church. And I was like, okay, so I got to like really want this. What do I really want this for? And I went to church a couple times with my friend. The only thing I liked about it was like the sugar at the end. It was like cake, cupcakes, donuts, all kinds of things like that. I loved that. But I did not like sitting there and being lectured at. I just, it didn't ever felt like it resonated. And I only went a couple times, but I was like, yeah, no, I don't really think I want to do that. So I was thankful I had the choice. And I started at that point, you know, um, my parents, their religion was like nature. They took us to nature every weekend and they took us to like arts and crafts festivals. My dad you know, made a plan for the family every Sunday and we would go to some sort of festival, restaurant or something outing for the family. And so I ended up creating my own spirituality, which for me still includes a lot of nature, like daily nature is part of my spirituality. And then meditation, which came from my yoga practice, And my mom taught yoga in the 70s in Texas. She was a yoga teacher at the YMCA. It's so funny. But um, so I got to see that early. My mom had like the Be Here Now book on the shelf. So um, for me, meditation and nature is a big part of my spiritual and religious practice. It's like, that's where I feel connected to something bigger than me. Yeah, I love that. I think a lot of people are in that sphere at this time. But I'm curious, what did your parents do at the times of holidays? Or did you have any kind of like tradition other than those Sundays, which sounds amazing and something I want to take on for my own family one day. But was there anything like that, like celebration or, or, you know, things like lessons, I guess, that religion tries to teach? I've always been curious about that with families that grow up without one. Yeah, it's a good question. And we really didn't have anything organized around um, like moral teachings or um, rituals. And I think I would have appreciated a little more ritual. I think that that's a nice part of religion is like the cultural ritual of it. Mm -hmm. Um, that I think I missed some of that, but, um, you know, so holidays were just like, you know, whatever, like Easter, we got our bathing suit and flip-flops for the year. (laughs) That's cute. That's a year. Yeah. So, I mean, that was fun. It was like, oh yeah, summer's coming. Yeah. So that's kind of like spring and Easter. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of love that. It's like using nature's seasons and changes as, because honestly, at the end of the day, I know for Judaism, at least that's a lot of where this stuff originates anyway. Is in nature. Yeah. Like celebrating nature and the food and the trees and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Exactly. It's the seasonal shift. Yeah. So, you know, and then Christmas, um, 
it was never super big for us. The big holiday was Thanksgiving. And my mom created a tradition. Her family was really fractured. And so she created a Thanksgiving tradition and invited everyone to our house. So every year we had her whole family over. We made all the food. Then we started to ask them to all contribute something. So everybody was excited about their contribution. And we would go around and say what we were thankful for. And, um, I was really glad that my mom did that. She said she did it for my sister and I to get connected to her family. But the amazing thing is the healing she did for her family by bringing them together. And now that still goes on, you know, like 40 years later, everybody's still getting together every year at Thanksgiving. Nice. That sounds so lovely. So, yeah. 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 That's like the best thing about holidays for me is still is like the being together and yeah, 100%. 100. That's, that's my favorite part of being Jewish, honestly, as well. I mean, luckily there are so many holidays, so we get together a lot at towards the, towards certain times of the year. And it's like, Ooh, that time of the year is coming. That means we have all these holidays. We're going to see our cousins all the time. It's so, it's just nice. It's fun. And that's really what it comes down to for me, at least. Exactly. What are some examples of activities you do to enhance your well-being? So I have some non-negotiables that I do on a daily basis. And one of those is meditation. It's like a 15-minute meditation five days a week is my uh, is my structure. And, you know, some day, some weeks I do it seven days, but I like give myself that space of like, in case I skip a day, I'm still in integrity Mm -hmm. and then exercise 30 minutes a day. And usually it's more like an hour, but I want to make sure that I'm doing at least 30 minutes a day. And then I, one of them is also um, to appreciate something about my daughter every day. So I need to tell her something that she's doing right every day because it's so easy for me to see what she's doing wrong. She's 16 and I can just point out everything that's wrong. And so that's one of my well-being um, skills or like um, non-negotiables is like I, I need to remember to appreciate her every day. And then, cause it makes me feel like a good mom and connected to her. And those are my dreams. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, my gratitude list, I write daily Uh, Like I mentioned at the beginning when you and I were talking, I write down my dreams every morning that I have from the night before. And then I write a dream for who I'm going to be that day. Wow. So I am like pushing myself to keep in the design mindset of who I want to be instead of right now, especially during a pandemic, falling prey to victimhood. Like, oh my God, how could I possibly grow right now under this? How could I possibly be able to do that? Everything's changed. You know, I said I was going to go to this networking event every week and now I can't do that. So I'm giving that up. Instead of like, well, who do I want to be? How am I going to pivot? What am I going to create? Design your quarantine. Like we can still create something special out of this, even if it's just, which is such a big just, that connection to ourselves. Like if I can't go out, I could reconnect on layers and depths with myself. 
And that would be a huge win. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, coming out even more in touch with who we are and what we want and what we bring to the table, but what we value in others. Yeah. And also just being more comfortable with being home. Yep. How about that? That'd be great. Yeah. Doing less, having less and being appreciative for just the little things. I'm hoping that we hold on to some of that as we come out of this, when we come out of this, that we take some of these lessons with us. And, and the, you know, to get past hope, it would be in design. So what am I going to do? Like make a promise to stay home one day a week. Like I have a promise not to get in my car one day a week. So I can still go places. I just walk. And just to have a slow day and a day that I don't check email once a week. And, you know, that's part of my wellness is to disconnect from screens one day a week. Like I don't allow myself to watch press conferences. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I'm on a news diet, you know, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening. Do you choose the same day for all of these things just to make it easier? No, no, I I have, uh, I have it all in my calendar though, so that it reminds me, it tells me like my promises are documented well in my calendar so that I, I have a structure that holds me because trying to remember it all would be really tough. And then every Sunday I report to my coach what I kept and what I didn't keep. And every day in my, I do a daily design. So I write out the day as if it's already happened. So I write it in the past tense. Like, oh my God, I enjoyed such an incredible walk in the forest today. Felt so peaceful and calm. Like put all of it in there. And so that I'm already seeing it happen. So that I'm creating it. I start the day with that. And and on that, I note my non-negotiables. Like this morning, I, you know, I upgraded one out of five meditation for the week, one out of five exercise for the week done because I did those both yesterday. So I, you know, I'm keeping track of it and I'm reporting it daily and sending it to my coworkers. Amazing. So like outing yourself, you don't have to manage it alone. Let people know in your life what you're up to. Right. So that they can support you. And check in like, hey, how's it going? How's that running promise you made going? Like, you doing that? It helps. I love what you do with your daughter. I can't imagine Mm. how different my relationship with my mom would have been at that time if she did that for me. I know. It's so big. And it's, it's completely blowing my mind what I get in return. It was like telling her, well, I'm not that happy about my sex life. And, you know, it's just not exactly how I would design it. And she was like, oh, my God, I know. I was like um, with my boyfriend and, you know, we're taking it really slow. And like started like telling me what they're doing. And I just thought, oh, my God, I have never in my life shared like that with my mom. And I'm 48 and you're 16. Mm-hmm. Like, holy cow, this is the relationship I'm creating with you? Like, that you would be open with me about sex at your age? Wow. Like, I still have a hard time talking about sex with my mom. You I mean, but that, I mean, how incredible. She doesn't have to navigate it on her own. 
just gonna have to try to figure it all out in the dark with some guy. Mm -hmm. Wow. But she can actually confide in someone that can actually guide. Wow. So it's like mind blowing. I it just really feels so good. I mean, and still in the con- conversation, I was so uncomfortable. I was so awkward. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> okay. I was wondering. I was not. I'm like, be cool, bro. Be cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I was not cool. I was totally <laughs> awkward and like, <laughs> I, like I wanted to talk her out of it. Like you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> throw the hammer down (laughs) it's like remain open remain open you want her to share with you right right. well that's where the complication of boundaries with parents come in and it's so you just don't know where to draw a line because you don't want there to be lines but sometimes there need to be lines and and I, I guess that's just playing it by ear and I know I don't feel that comfortable when my mom talks about dating. Hi, mom. Sorry. <laughs> she's not here, but she's always listening. Um, and I mean, my biggest podcast fan. So I love her to death. Aww. I mean, for so many reasons. And she's been cooking up a storm for us here. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. And I mean, it's like I want to listen and be there and be that listening ear. But it's also like really hard to be an adult dating at the same time as your mom yeah so boundaries are in, are an interesting topic for us they are totally and it's something you get to design like hey I'm not comfortable with that like let's back up a little bit because and my daughter's had to tell her dad that because he's dating and she's just like it's too much I don't really want to know like you're kind of dumping your emotional baggage on me and I really don't need it can't don't have the space or the capacity to hold that for you. And it really isn't the job of our kids to be that for us. So I was blown away when she was telling me that I was about her dad. And I said, okay, you need to have that conversation with him, not with me. Like tell him that. So then he came over and I asked her and she's like, well, I started to be, didn't listen. I was like, "Mm, easy. Um, yeah, totally got it. So then I said, oh, hey, like, I, I helped navigate the conversation with her and with him. And he was like, oh, no problem. I didn't know I did that. And so um, I just want her to keep building that safety for her. I think that's the lesson she came to learn from him. One of them is like how to design what's right for her. Mm-hmm. And have that conversation because that's going to serve her all her life if she can do that with both of us. Like she does it with me really easily. She's like, she is on my case if I step over any line mm-hmm. because she knows she's safe with me to do that. Right. So, because I've asked her, I said, why am I on the hook for everything? And he's off the hook. Mm-hmm. And she said, because I know you're really going to do something about it. Right. And I was like, aw. That's really sweet. Like that you trust that I'm going to take your feedback and use it is really my dream. Wow. So yeah, keep giving me feedback. Keep calling me out. Yeah. It means you love me and you care at at me improving and you trust I will and that I won't just defend against it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, that's definitely a similar relationship with my mom and I, so I can really relate. It's just always safe to come to the table and be like, I think you can do better in this or this. Yeah. And she's like, right. you know, usually pretty open of, all right, thank you. 
you know? Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So that's, that's the next level for the dating. It's like, oh, that's a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> and design that. Right. Especially now that you're living together. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> for the unforeseeable future. Of, yeah. It's crazy. TBD. And we haven't lived oh together gosh. in, oh, I don't, couldn't even tell you a decade. Wow. Yeah. It's an amazing opportunity. Yeah, it's interesting. To really design a relationship like as adults. Yes. One to one. It's the one to one. Like I'm a champion for your cause as much as mine. Right. So I'm here, you know, like at one point in our life, we had our parents up on a pedestal. And then as we got to like teenage years, they're down in the ditch. We know better than them. And now as an adult, we want to design it so that we're eye to eye, heart to heart, soul to soul. Like you're a flawed human. I'm a flawed human. Right. And let's human better together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my parents got divorced, split when I was seven, got okay. separated when I was seven. So I think the pedestal came down pretty quickly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for me. I think that happened for my kids too. Yeah. And I mean, I think it was good. I actually read something today and it was like someone asked their therapist why in this time of the pandemic they're not as – they're not feeling the chaos as much as everybody else and it's not getting to them as much. And that's, and their therapist was like, that's because you were raised in chaos. So you're comfortable with it Mm. or something like that. And it was, I laughed because I was like, that's a little eerily relatable. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, totally. And then like I told one of my clients, like, be careful because you can create that if like you're comfortable in it, then you always want, you know, you create chaos, you create drama or wherever, whatever we're used to. Like my client last night was like, I can totally survive this. I'm a survivor. I, I love the struggle. And I was like, be careful. Wow. If you love the struggle, you'll create the struggle. So don't love it too much. Like be a survivor. Totally. But be okay with easy, calm. Right. Not chaos. Well, that's that's what's so weird about it is that I do feel pretty calm in the yeah. chaos, you know? It's yeah. not that I'm, like, comfortable going crazy about it, you know? It's that I'm just, like, comfortable not going anywhere and yeah. doing what I got to do in my mom's house, apartment. Yeah. One-bedroom condo. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What is it you do that helps you through current challenges that you didn't have in your toolbox five years ago? Um, I would say for me, one of the most important tools is the um, honest communication. I was a big avoider. I would just um, downplay my needs, downplay what I wanted and not rock the boat. And I realized in the last five years how much I rocked the boat by downplaying because I'm thinking it's a nice thing to do, that this is what you're going to like about me. I'm not going to have any needs. I'm going to be fine, which is a huge lie. I don't let anybody say fine to me anymore because I know the lie that fine is. And um, I, yeah, so it's like I'm now learning that asking for what I need, really communicating when I feel things are off instead of avoiding is love, is care, is, you know, is actually nice. The whole being nice by not saying anything is what we call snice. 
because it's snake meets nice. It's like slithery like I'm gonna act really nice to your face but I have this like tail that's gonna whip around and sting you that you didn't know where it came from it's my resentment that I'm that that I'm holding because I'm being so nice Mm. by downplaying myself so I think that's been my biggest tool is honest communication and trusting that I can do that and take care of you Mm. and take care of myself so I can ask for what I need and want And I can do that in a way that isn't hurtful to you, that doesn't like make it your fault or your problem and do it in a way that actually it's like with grace and wisdom. Wisdom is my truth. Grace is wrapping my truth in a way that is digestible, that you can hear it. It's like wisdom would be past the salt. Grace would be past the salt, please. So if I come to you with something that I really need to talk about, I can start off by owning my part. Yeah. And then you're more open to hearing the next right. paragraph. <laughs> I love that because I feel like in what you said about the honesty and how that's really better than just being, you know, passive, kind of passive aggressive. Um, yes. Is it's like the maintenance in a relationship as you would do in the on the infrastructure of your house. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only way to keep it growing, you know, with with both people being able to do that and still I have improvement. Um I can really see now like oh where I didn't communicate and then I go back and I'm like, "Oh, I really should have." And I'll talk about it getting better at doing it in the moment is the next level for me. Like really seeing it in that moment and saying it instead of having to come back later. Right. And clean and clean it up. Yeah. So that's that that's where I'm getting. That's where I'm by the end of this year, I'm getting I'm getting so much practice. <laughs> There's so many opportunities. <laughs> Would you look at that? <laughs> Would you look at that? <laughs> well that's a blessing, honestly. So I mean yeah. that's goals. I for me at least to be able to calm down in the middle of a situation and and solve it right then and there. Right. Amazing. Yeah. And then when we can totally do it. Yeah. One day. <laughs> this year (laughs) Kimberly lastly is there anything you wish we spoke about something I didn't ask or something intuitive that you would like to share um one of the things I think that I love to share is um like how much of that honest communication truly connects me to myself that like what I was doing to connect with others really helps me get more clear about my truth. Like the more I share it, the more honed in I get on what the truth is for me. That I wasn't totally even sure what I wanted or needed. But if I start at one place, I start to fine tune what it is I really need. Like I want to get to the place that I'm doing that in my sex life. Like that's where I'm headed, like fully empowered in that area. Yes. I think that's the next level that's revolutionary for women to ask for what we want and need in that area. And in the moment, Mm. like I've been so afraid to kill the mood 
but forget that I'm creating the mood by truly connecting honestly, instead of like tolerating fine, <laughs> that big lie. Yeah. Yeah. And like being like, actually a little more of this, a little less of that. Like, can I get there? Yes, you can. Whoa, whoa. That's the next level. That's where I'm going. And I'm hoping to take a lot of ladies with me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm reading a book. It's Taking Sexy Back. And I'm all, I'm reading it and like, yes, this, I'm doing it for my daughter. Aww. You know, and many more generations to come. Amen, sister. Amen. Well, this has been so nice hanging out with you and chatting and picking your brain. Where can we find you and how can we support you? So I am a handle group life and executive coach. I do 50-50. So you can find me through the handlegroup.com. And um, I, like I mentioned, I'm leading the Inner You Love Bootcamp um, April 15th. It's going to go for six weeks. And you join Inner You, which is actually on sale right now. I think you and I have a, a discount code, gets you half off. So it's only $325. And um, that will get you a free coaching session and 12 modules of Lauren Zander, the creative handle method, teaching the handle method principles and giving assignments. I think you're doing that. So you're familiar with it all. And um, it's an incredible program and a great deal. And with it comes Inner University and the boot camp and um, so many other buddy systems to out yourself, your promises, a promise tracker, like all of the things I talked about are all captured there in that online program. Wow. Yeah. And lifetime access, right? And lifetime access. That's amazing. <laughs> it I is. can't believe it still. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm so stoked that we have something at that price point right now for everybody to be able to dive in and design their quarantine and beyond. Right. It's like, let's come out of this thing like bigger. Um, I read that like either you could come out with post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic growth. And it really is up to us. And part of the growth is finding meaning in what's going on. So if it's like, oh, this is the opportunity to connect to myself. Mm -hmm. This is the opportunity to connect to my family, whatever that is, whatever that meaning is for you, finding that and creating that can really help transform it from stressful to growth. Amazing. Yeah. This was so much fun, Kimberly. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you and your time. My pleasure. I love being with you too. And I look forward to next time we come update you. Definitely. Yes. We're going to need that story for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that is a wrap folks. Thank you again, as always for listening. I appreciate your ears, your time, your attention, and your willingness to want to learn and grow with me. So thank you so much. Thank you, Kimberly. This was such a blast. I can't wait to have you back on to hear more about how you grow next. I I just think that's what's so fun about this is sitting down with people where they are who are growth-minded people and seeing what they do with their beliefs and their thoughts and their their struggles and their... Because we all have them, right? 
Anyway, I just wanted to briefly mention that unfortunately we spoke before Kimberly ran the Inner You Love Bootcamp, which is now referred to as a masterclass, but I'm sure you can catch her doing it again sometime down the road. Check it out. The link's in my bio where you can sign up for lifetime access to better yourselves, better your lives, and better the loved ones around you. Because when you start doing those things for yourself, in turn, I'm sure you've witnessed this yourself already, but everybody around you starts to care a little bit more. By the way, I recently started a podcast coaching and consulting business where I help you get your first episode done in one month's time. So let me know if this is something you would like to hear more of. Reach out to me in an email, wellandwhy at gmail.com. On Instagram, you can find me at spiritually nutritious. Everything's linked in the bio. You know what to do. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. I would really, really, really appreciate that. So, yeah. Well and Y75 is your code for the Handel Group half off. Thank you again for listening. I love you. And I hope you're all staying well and safe and healthy. So, ta-ta for now.